are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. It is uh, really great to have each one of you uh, here this morning, right? God is uh, so faithful. And I know there's a lot of things that we could choose to do on a Sunday morning, right? Among them sleeping in, you know, whatever. But you have chosen to be here. If it's your first time, thank you for being here. It doesn't matter how you got here, who invited you, driving by, whatever. But we are so grateful to have you, as well as those who are online. Thanks so much for, uh, for being with us uh, week after week after week online. So it's really great. So what does it mean to be Christian? Right? This is our uh, series we've been talking about for a number of weeks now, uh, dealing with the book of Romans. And this has been our focus as um, we've discovered some powerful truths for sure. We are by faith in and through Jesus in right relationship with the Father. That's the bottom line. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that makes us right with the Father. And there is now a, a righteousness that we can live in because of who Jesus is. Um, and uh, it is his grace and his mercy that has brought us to that point of, uh, of serving him and loving him and being received by him. Um, it is not the law, it is not that list of do's and don'ts that gets us into right relationship with the Lord, as some would attempt to follow perfectly, but fail every time. Have you ever had like a, a set of instructions to follow, and we can't even do that like Ikea furniture putting it together, and you end up with extra parts or things like that at the end of it, or something, you go, ah, it'll be okay, and then like five years down the road, if it lasts that long, you realize, oh, I probably should have put that part in there. Yeah, yeah, I've been there before. It's like following the rules, right? You can't do it. Yeah, you just can't do it perfectly. All right, so if Jesus has taken care of all of it, right, and he has made us right with the Father, that means that all we have to do is accept this Jesus, and then our responsibility is done when it comes to our salvation and living it out day to day. We don't have any responsibility at all. Not exactly. And now this is that point where um, if you're a skeptic or somebody who's like wary of church or whatever, if you're new with us or something like that, okay, pastor, I knew it was too good to be true. What is the other shoe? When is, when is it going to drop? What, is, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus only, okay, to be saved. You got it. It's Jesus only. That is it. Receive him. That is it. But does this mean that we are free to do whatever we want with our life once we are following after Jesus. That the grace of Jesus overlooks anything and everything we do after that decision for Jesus. Paul would say no. And uh, so we're going to walk through this because this is one of those slightly tougher parts of grace and slightly tougher parts of serving Jesus that at times we can get really skewed and miss something incredibly important. And here's a great question for you, and this is what we're going to talk about today. What is holiness? You ready to go down? We're going to do legalism. It's going to be fantastic today. This is so much fun. I'm going to give you a list of things you can't do to be a Christian. No, I'm not going to do that. When we hear that question, what is holiness? Uh, when that question is that we think outdated, we think legalism, we think uh, impossible, like some sort of standard I can't live up to. We think old-fashioned and prudish and the way it was and all that stuff. That is holiness oftentimes. But when we define what holiness actually is, I think we're going to find that it's a little closer to us than we realize. And so defining holiness is a, this is a characteristic of who God is. 
This is the very being of God is that he is holy, and that word holy means set apart or separated, that God is holy, and so he is something other than us. How many of you are glad that God is not human, <laughs> right? Now, we understand Jesus came completely human, right? But we, we also understand that God is beyond human, and I am so glad because as humans, we make a mess of things way too easily. Um. So what I want to do, though, is put this in terms of marriage. And while our passage we're going to talk about today is, is really doesn't have anything to do with marriage per se, but um, we need to talk about marriage to understand a, a bit of holiness here. So Shelly and I have been married for nearly 30 years. It'll be 30 years in May, and I am so grateful for that. When we chose each other, she chose me first, by the way. So when we chose each other, she did. She asked me out on a date first. So that was very exciting. And I'm like, well, if somebody asked me out, I'm marrying her. So this is great. Um, <laughs> very high standard for, uh, for marriage. Um, there was a relational exclusiveness that is associated with our marriage. You understand that, Right? Uh, that, is, that is part of marriage. She chose me, I chose her. Uh, and I am, again, very grateful for that. Um, if on the day that we got married, I said, you know, I, I choose you on this day, but then I don't follow through on that commitment, I have broken the holiness of our marriage. Right? I, I have stepped outside of holiness. Now, we don't often think of marriage in that term, but the reality is we have separated ourselves from any other relationship of that kind. So it's holy. If I told her, and I, I've heard this before, maybe yeah, whatever, um, I, think it's your, uh, I think it's Pop, who, or father-in-law, my, my father-in-law said this, uh, you know, I told you I loved you at the altar, and if it changes, I will let you know. He says that tongue-in-cheek. That's not the way that he lives, um, right? So, but if my, my actions don't match up to my vow, if that is the kind of love, kind of holiness that I've separated for our relationship. So I have a choice, as Shelley does every single day. Our marriage is holy. We are for one another the only choice. Someone trying to catch my eye. Uh-uh. No, this, this relationship is holy and set apart and so I willingly and joyfully give myself wholly to her. And likewise, it's the same thing if any of the guys, I mean, they got to measure up to this. I mean, this is, right? <laughs> so it's easy, right? And so th there's that point where no matter what happens in this world, we choose each other and we willingly give ourselves to one another. So it is not a burden. My marriage to Shelly is not a burden. The holiness that's represented in that is not a burden because love comes first. Holiness is an outflow of relationship. That's the bottom line. And sometimes, for whatever reason, we look at this when it comes to our Christian faith, and we look at holiness as this thing that is alien to a faith in grace, you know, faith, faith alone in choosing Jesus, right? We look at holiness as this, oh, it's this other set of rules and things that you've got to do in order to please God. No, 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 not at all. There are a set of rules in our relationship, right, in our, in our marriage. I don't break those things, not like, oh my goodness, I can't date other people. <laughs> I mean, it's not even a thought, right? 
Same sort of thing should be in our relationship, a holy relationship with Christ. It's set apart. It is something other. People don't break in on that relationship. There's not a burden associated with, yes, things that we should and should not do when it comes to the, how we show our life for Jesus Christ. Remember Abraham a few weeks, a few weeks back? God has come all the way and has, has brought relationship to us all the way. It's not a halfway thing. And that holiness, right, is the way that we live our lives because God has come all the way already for us and loves us. So picking up from last week, this uh, mindset of the champion is to have the outlook of the spirit, not the outlook of the flesh. The outlook of the spirit of God within us, not the outlook of, oh, what's easy, what feels good to me right now. Paul gets more insistent in this next step of what that mindset actually requires of us. And this is it. So Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14, uh, for our first little part today. And by the way, um, don't forget on the Bible app, if you make, and I know you're getting sick of me announcing this, but I'm going to keep announcing it until everybody gets the Bible app. On the Bible app, in the lower, once you register on the lower right-hand corner, there's like these little dots down there. If you click on that and, and look for events, you'll see Life Church there. All of our scriptures are there. The notes are there. You've got ways that you can interact. There's announcements there, all that stuff. You can give uh, from there. So make sure you go to the Bible app and uh, use that as a tool uh, for your faith as well. All right, enough of that. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation. So this is where Paul picks up from last week. He's saying, you know, don't, don't gratify the sinful nature. Don't live for the sinful nature. Don't have the mindset of it. There is a mindset we can have of the Spirit. So he says, uh, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, right? There's that dichotomy there. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Read that again. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons, and I would say daughters, of God. So Paul is very clear here about what living truly is. This is life. He says it right here. If you want to truly live, put to death the misdeeds, as it says in the NIV, the misdeeds of the body, the misdeeds of the flesh. And how do we actually put to death these things that are so easy for us to do and so easy for us to fall into the trap of? Um, in other places in the New Testament, Paul has answered this question a little bit differently. So we're going to actually dig in a couple of different letters that Paul wrote uh, to help us with this. But I want to tell you the very, very first step to putting to death the misdeeds of the body or the sins in our life, right? The very, very first step. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. Crazy insight. I mean, this is complicated as complicated could be, right? Uh, learn to call what sin really is. Learn to call it sin. And I, I've been, at times, it is easy to couch our terms and soften terms when it comes to what we're dealing with in our life, but we need to learn to call a spade a spade. Um, call sexual immorality, uh, call it sexual immorality, not I'm being tempted a little bit. Right? Name what that is. Um, another one. Um, call it impurity, not with not I'm struggling with my thought life. Because all of a sudden, if we start softening the language of what we are actually dealing with, it gives us a way out because we say to ourselves, because the sin nature wants to rise up, we say to ourselves, 
you know, it's really not that bad. Or we say, this could be much worse. I mean, look at so-and-so. Look what they do. What I'm doing is not as bad as them. Um, Call it evil desire, which is idolatry, not uh, I think I need to put my orders or my priorities uh, in correct order. Call it what it is. And as soon as we start calling things in our life what they really are, especially right here when it comes to sin, that is the first step in um, uh, really finding freedom and putting to death the misdeeds of the body. It might seem pretty simple, but we have something called, uh, there's a couple of terms for this. I was looking for it earlier this week and didn't find all of it, but one of these I ran across, pretty fantastic. Uh, it's called nose blindness. Have you heard that phrase before? Uh, this is a smell you become so accustomed to that you are blind to it. How many of you have one of those as a teenage boy? Anybody? Uh, <laughs> right? right? Nose blindness. So, so it's, it's kind of like this, and this is a, an example. Um, you walk into somebody's home and you can tell immediately that they have a pet. I mean, it's true, right? But they have lost the sense of smell in that one little narrow band within their nose to know that their home smells like they have a pet, right? That's called nose blindness. Um, you can smell somebody's like tons of acts on the, uh, on the you know, whatever, okay. Uh, another one uh, is when you don't see a repair that's needed in your home any longer because you've walked past it so many times. How many of you have a repair in your home right now that needs it desperately and you've walked past it so many times? Now you remember it, so go home and fix it. Come on, people. The stain on the carpets, the scratch on your car, you used to notice it, but you become blind to it because you're used to it now. Uh, sin is just like this. It is just like this. We become habituated to our sin. So pretty soon, we lose sight of it. We lose smell of it. <laughs> we, we lose uh, the, uh, the sense that it is impacting our lives on a daily basis. And we grow very, very blind to that. We can downplay the gravity of our sin in our lives because culturally it makes us uncomfortable, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to you know, go have coffee with somebody and you know, the impurities, you know, and all, I mean, you just, we don't normally talk that way but the reality is we've got to deal with sin that way in our lives so that it doesn't continue to have a grasp on us. Galatians chapter 5, this is where uh, Paul is uh, talking to the church at Galatia. He says, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, I say, be guided by the Spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Right? I mean, proving the point. We shouldn't do whatever we want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious. And then he gives this thing. He starts calling it out what it is. He says, uh, things they include, uh, sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells. And yep, that's a way to interpret all of that. Uh, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, party, and other things like this. I warn you, as I've already warned you, that these, uh, those who do these things won't inherit God's kingdom. He's writing to a church. And I have a feeling that just like the church in Galatia, sometimes we softly allow these things to grow in our lives as a church. So God, it's not that bad. Look how bad it could be. Well, Lord, I'm only halfway into this. 
So first, call sin what it is, sin. Sin separates us from God. For some of us, that represents the first big step. It's just saying, yeah, God, I am sinful. I am broken. I am separated from you because of the decisions I make in my life every single day. And God, I'm ready to call it sin. As a reminder to us, Paul's words, he said at the end of what we just read, uh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How many of you want life, right? I mean, this is, we want to live. Um, The next thing is, uh, and again, this is very simple, um, learn to fight against sin and kill sin in you, right? So uh, without getting too graphic in this moment, um, well, no, I don't even want to go there. I was going to start describing killing something, and that's just really weird from the pulpit, so I won't do that. So once the first step is taken, right, to call sin what it is, just calling it that uh, starts a process that uh, we can stop in its tracks or we can continue to this final role of actually killing the sin in our life. By calling sin what it is, we begin to expose it begin to bring it into the light. We don't let it hide into the dark recesses of our life. We don't hold it in isolation where it has power over us. Um, we want to do this. We want to bring it out into the light um, because we want true life. Right? I mean, that's, that's what Paul's saying. If you want to live, if you want to live rightly, uh, this is the way to do it is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. So to put to death something, there must be a way to kill it. And there is, in this particular case, um, a way to kill sin in our lives. I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you who are astute biblical scholars, you'll recognize where we're going to go with this. Um, but Paul, when he's writing to this church, um, church in, in Ephesus, as he's writing to this church, he's saying, hey, here, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a way that you are going to be strong in the Lord. And so he says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens, right? So this is that idea um, really of that power of sin as the broad picture of it that we are at war against. And then he, he begins to describe the... Um, uh, uh, the this, oh my goodness, the, the full armor of God. Wow, I went to this weird spot in my head. The full armor of God, the breastplate, the belt, the shield, the helmet, all of these are defensive, but he gets to the very end of the list and he has one weapon that he talks about. He says, the sword of the spirit. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? Some mythical, mystical kind of thing that Indiana Jones would try to go find, Right? Now, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Folks, this is the key to killing sin in our lives. It's not willing it away, right? It's not mind over matter like we talked about last week. That is, there's, we're going to fail. We're going to screw up in this thing if we try to do this on our own power, right? But at the end, he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only way for us to kill because it is an offensive weapon when it comes to the way that we can live our spiritual lives. Know it. Study it. Memorize it. Right? Get it within you so that in the dark moments of your life, when you are ready to fall, it's inevitable. There are going to be dark moments in your life where you're like, you know what? I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Let me just go do all the things I know I shouldn't do. In those moments, what comes to mind? 
If we don't have the word of God coming to our mind in those dark moments, we will fall. But if, because of the influence of the Spirit in our lives, this word of God comes to life within us when those dark times come, we can give the death blow to that sin that wants to control us. So resist the enemy, but not just from a defensive position. The battle is yours when the Spirit of God empowers you in Christ and dwells within you. Take up the word against the enemy of your soul. Take up the word. That's why I'm always encouraging you when when we're in here, get your Bibles open, right? Because you need to be comfortable with the word yourself if this is ever going to happen. You've got to hate it, hate the sin, refuse the sin, drag the sin, kicking and screaming to the cross, right? Take it there. That's the best place for it. Don't settle for less than complete surrender. Uh, years ago, uh, when, my, when I could hold my son, he's a little uh, larger now, he's like six, almost my height, right, big kid. Uh, when I, but uh, growing up, right, parenting uh, is, is difficult. Anybody realize parenting is difficult at times? And uh, th- there were moments when our son would, dis- di- uh, would uh, disobey and misbehave uh, when we would be out to eat. And so this one time, I remember uh, picking up Jace after he had done something, and uh, I forget, I don't even know how old he was, whatever, but I'm picking him up, taking him to the restroom, and you know what the restroom means when a parent takes you to the restroom, right? And so I'm picking up my son, and, and I'm holding on to him with love and joy in my heart as he is kicking and screaming as I'm taking him like that, and what is he yelling? Dad, don't beat me. Okay, that's, you know, make something very, very clear. Never have we ever beat our children. Okay, just make it it clear, because that's now forever on YouTube and all over the world right now, right? But but in that moment, I have a decision as a dad. Am I going to stop in my tracks without following through? on a discipline that is needed in that moment was not spanking, okay? (laughs) But in that moment was a swift talking to. Um, (laughs) Or the whole, the parenting thing, stop, or I'll tell you stop again. Um, (laughs) Parenting skills 101 at Life Church Utah, right? But I could have stopped part of the way to dealing with what was going on with the misbehavior of the deeds of the body, right, that were going on. I could have stopped halfway and walked back because a little embarrassing, a little moment there, don't want to draw a scene and take, go back and say, ha-ha, just kidding. We can't do that when it comes to sin in our life. We can't stop halfway. We have to deal with it. Because I know and you know that if we don't deal the death blow to sin, it will rise again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. So, put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. In other words, what belongs in this world here, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So how do do we deal with this with the word of God? I want to give you one practical way to look at this. And uh, by implication, you can draw other conclusions from a lot of other parts of scripture. But uh, that last one there, um, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. Let me just take the greed uh, for us this morning. So... um, there's a verse that shows us how to deal with this, a, a paradigm uh, for us to look at this in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. So the author is dealing with a whole lot of other stuff in this, uh, toward the end of, uh, of Hebrews, and he throws this gem in there, and it's pretty fascinating how he deals with this idea of greed. So he says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, 
Your conduct must be free from the love of money. The love of money is greed, by the way, just so you know. Your conduct must be free from the love of money. And you must be content with what you have. And then he goes on to say, and it's strange, right? Because this next thing he says, which is directly from the word of God, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. What does that have to do with greed? Right? On the surface, it makes no sense. Why does greed, in in the way that the the author of Hebrews is dealing with it, talking about the presence of God? Because when we get down to greed, that core thing, right, is this desire that has gotten out of control, that has turned into idolatry, that I am going to provide for myself, I am going to take everything I have, and I'm going to make it mine. I'm going to take everything I have. I'm going to put it around me. This is going to protect me because at the bottom of this, I am fearful of not having enough. And that's causing me this idolatry of not having enough and not being content. And so what am I missing in my life? What what does the word of God say to me? I will never leave you nor forsake you. My son, my daughter, I am enough. Stop looking outside to other things to fulfill you. Stop looking to this idol that all it's going to do is make you selfish, selfish, selfish. Feed this monster within us rather than saying, God, you are enough. And so whenever we feel like um, that, that, God, it's not enough and I need to go on a quick uh, spending spree from my chair at home on Amazon... <laughs> That's the way we do it now. We don't typically go out anymore. But my spending spree is much easier to hide now, right? And so there it is. I'm feeling bad for myself, and I want, 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 want something because it's going to fill a need in my life. It's become an idol. In that moment, close the iPad, turn the phone over, and say, Jesus, you're enough. You are enough for me. And so, Lord, I confess this idolatry of greed in my life, and, Lord, I'm asking you for freedom. Because your word says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. So think about it. Like lust comes up. How do we respond to it? Is, is there anything in the word of God dealing with lust? Absolutely. Right? I mean, is there anything in the word of God dealing with, um, uh, dealing with other sins in our life? Right? Absolutely. The word of God is filled with that. So how do we put to death the sin of greed? Right? We go to the word of God. That's how we put it to death. And then I guarantee you, the next time that greed pops up in your life, you will be in that position to go, no, 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 no. Here's what the word of God says, and I'm standing against it. And I just praise God that he's able to do that. So here's the thing, something you hopefully you realize. Uh, discipleship is always happening. Either being discipled to the world or being discipled to look a lot more like Jesus. Discipleship is always happening within us. Christ wants his image to be made more complete in us. In us? Wow. In us? This is the daily death that we need to embrace in our life to be more like Jesus, that holiness, but it's a holiness based on relationship with him. And so we go, yes, God, I want this more in my life. So he goes, we're not, we are not obligated, Paul says in verse 12 of Romans 8, to live according to the old way of life, controlled by sin. But we do have a new reality in the spirits. Our lives turn toward Jesus. We're empowered by the spirit within us to live a life that is true life. 
And he ended this last section, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And this becomes the final part of understanding how he defeats, right, this flesh, this sin that's within us. So Romans uh, chapter 8, beginning at verse uh, 15. I know we've been jumping around a lot today, so getting your work out there. Um, but really, one of the things that Paul begins to, uh, to unpack for us is this idea of identity in Christ and who he is. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery um, leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, then heirs, namely heirs of God and also fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so we may, uh, may also be glorified with him. The spirit we have received is not a spirit of slavery, it's not a spirit of bondage. He's not, we're not trading one shackle for another, right? The spirit that we have received is the one who offers a life of hope, of meaning, of fulfillment. It's not fear that marks us anymore. As Paul says to a young leader in the church, uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7, God did not give us a spirit that is timid. No, no timidity here in the spirit, right? But, a, but one that is powerful, one that is loving, and one that is self controlled. This is the spirit that dwells within us. The spirit within you is empowering, it's loving, he fills us with self-control beyond our natural abilities to put to death the misdeeds of the body. The enemy's upper hand in human nature is now a lost cause as we are filled with the promise of his spirit. And so this, this final truth um, is our identity is as adopted sons and daughters of the Father. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and uh, she was sharing that she was adopted as a four-year-old um, out of Korea, and um, the change in her life that she remembers even as a four-year-old, and the opportunities given to her because she was adopted into a brand new family. And uh, just hearing her own heart break as she talked about how joyful she was in that adoption into this new family. So as revealed uh, by John, but to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Right? This is who we are. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out this morning. So there, there are two parts to our response this morning. And we're going we're gonna to do them together. I'm going I'm to mention them separately. But uh, just so you know and get ready, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front. So I'm just I'm letting you know that ahead of time, all right? Um, but, but there are really two parts to this. The very, very first part is that empowering of the Spirit in your life to deal with the sin in your life. Right? I know we've, we've we, you know, last week we prayed over kind of so, or something very, very similar to that. But this, it, this import, the importance of it is Paul is kind of repeating this thing again, saying we've got to deal with this and recognize that we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us to help us against or in this battle against the flesh. And so there are some of you today that would say, Pastor, I need a fresh infilling of the Spirit in my life so that I can take up the word of God. I can uh, take up and defend against what the enemy is doing, but not just defend, I can go on the offensive against the enemy in my life. 
So that's the first part of it. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down if you need that infilling in your life. And then the second thing is there are some of you who are here today, you have been so beat down by the enemy. Uh, you've been so beat down by the words that people have spoken to you, things that parents said to you 25, 30 years ago or 40 years ago still rattle in your brain. And they had, those things have identified you rather than your true identity as an adopted son or daughter into this incredible family of God. And you say, Pastor, I am hurting in my identity and I need to be reassured in this identity that Christ has for me, that I am a child of the King. And you'd say, Pastor, that's me as well. I haven't had you raise hands. I haven't had any of that today, but here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. If that's you and you say, I need an infilling of the spirit or I just need that reassurance of myself as a child of the King and, uh, and uh, the dedication that the Lord already has to me, I'm gonna just invite you, come on down to the front. We have our prayer teams. We're gonna pray with you as well. And so please come on down if that's you and say, I need a fresh infilling of the spirit in my life and I just need to know my identity in Christ. And we're gonna sing uh, really quickly here uh, just in worship to the Lord as we sing. Come Come on down to the front. I know, I know you're, don't hesitate. Come on down. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, resurrect us in your power. Fill us afresh and here and now. Pour out your spirit again. Pour out, Lord. So come now. Lord, resurrect us in your Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on down if you want prayer. Come on down. You need that identity in Christ. That fresh infilling, Lord. We need your infilling, God. Hallelujah. Let's all of us lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, you're worthy of praise and glory and honor, Lord. Hallelujah. Pour out your spirit again, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come now, Lord. In the power, God, hallelujah. Fill us fresh, God, with you, with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, we stand in this place of need in our lives. God, we recognize we cannot do this on our own. And so, Lord, let your spirit fall fresh upon us, God. We are desperate for you. Lord, help us to live in such a way that honors and glorifies you. And, Lord, we know the only way that that happens is by the infilling of your spirit. And so, Lord, fill us again. Lord, these who have come down that are in a desperate position, Lord, of fighting that real fight against the enemy of their soul, God, feeling the sin cropping up in their life, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would cut that sin off at the knees through the power of your spirit and that, God, your word would come alive and that, Lord, you would set free, Lord, from bondage. God, set free from chains. God, break those things off in Jesus' name. And Father, we also recognize, uh, Lord, that we need to know who we are in you. And Lord, we are the sons and the daughters of God Almighty adopted into your family. And Lord, we stand in confidence, Lord, before you. God, there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus because we are part of the incredible family of God. And Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. God, we give you all of the glory, all of the honor, Lord. Let's lift up praise to the Lord. Lord, you're good. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are filling us, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pour out your spirit again, Lord. Come now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we commit all of these things to you. Father, we know that the work that you begin at this altar, Lord, uh, is work that you will continue to complete. That, God, you are not finished with us. And so, God, as we, as we go from this place, Lord, I ask for a continuing uh, infilling of your spirit. That, Lord, you would guide us and direct us. And, Lord, when the enemy, uh, when he crops up his, uh, his ugly head, God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would stand against the enemy. We would use the word of God as that weapon w- uh, that it is. And, God, we would slay the enemy of our soul. And, God, as we fight against the sin. Lord, thank you that we are victorious in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so, Father, I thank you that you have called us, uh, Lord, to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. And so, God, help us to be radically generous. God, help us to intentionally love those around us. And, Lord, let your word come alive within us. And, Lord, lead us in such a way, God, as that people come to know you. Lord, we love you and we praise you this day in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Don't uh, don't forget, we would love to continue praying with you, so don't leave too quickly. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.